0: 3439, live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. I believe in Brent Venables, but it's not, it's not hating at all to say there's still a lot of unknown there. So I think, to answer the question, I think he'll be able to lead Oklahoma into the SEC. The other thing before we move on is what's the expectation level? Because if you're trying to come into the SEC and you're saying, all right, we've got to be in the national championship every three years, right? That's not realistic. It's, it's possible. That's not realistic. What I expect Oklahoma to be when they come into the SEC is a perennial tough out, a contender, a team that has the roster, has the staff, has the stability, has the year-over-year investment resources to be a player every year. If you put yourself in that position, the same thing George has done. Eventually, you just swing every year and you hit the piñata. Maybe you hit it four or five times and you end up being a hall of famer and a legend and they build a statue of you. But that's what I expect Oklahoma to be. And based on my expectation, yes, I think Brent Venables can make Oklahoma that in the SEC.
1: Who's that? Josh Pate. Josh Pate 24/7 Sports. Good guy, I think he does a really good job over there. He does good.
2: He's, hmm. I mean, that's a that's it's a fair assessment. But I feel like he's had so many Oklahoma takes that he's they're beginning to come become a little scattered, right? Um, That's true. But I mean, I think there's a lot of truth to to what he's he's talking about there, and you know, only time will tell. There's there's a lot of unknown, obviously. There's, there's unknown with every football team, no matter how experienced their head coach is, whether it's his first year as a head coach at that school, his first year as a head coach, period, or if he's been at that school for 10 years. There's, there's always unknown heading into the season. Uh, you know we, we pick teams that we think are going to finish well and others that aren't, and sometimes you're right. Other times you're not, and I think that's the the case with Oklahoma. A lot of people are just really cautious on picking Oklahoma to do anything, and you see it reflected in a bunch of different places. Preseason top twenty fives and Vegas win totals that are just shocking. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking at an article right now over the break about. And this is an ESPN article ranking all 131 college football quarterback situations. Yeah, I was going to get to that. In tiers. And I just think this is fascinating that Dylan Gabriel is a fourth tier quarterback with Dorian Thompson Robinson, Spencer Rattler. Will Levis at Kentucky, and um, and then Oklahoma's Dylan Gabriel.
1: There's a lot of experience in that group, but I think he deserves to be – I, I, and I would argue that he's probably not the only one of that group that, that deserves to be in a higher tier for sure. But we, we can get to that. I, um, I'm curious what you thought about the, the take that it's unrealistic for OU to have the expectation to be the national championship every three years. Is that unrealistic?
2: Hmm. Is it unrealistic to win it every three years? Maybe. But is it unrealistic to have the expectation to win it every three years? No. If it's unrealistic for Oklahoma... It's unrealistic for anyone other than Alabama. Sure. Has anyone else won a championship every three years?
1: I mean, no. Of course not. No one's even been close to that. No, no. Not for a long period of time, of course. Like We put Ohio State in this Tier 1 group, right? Right next to Alabama. Mm -hmm. And Alabama, I mean, for as successful as as Ohio State's been, and they've been successful, but... What, what they got a national championship in 2002 and they got a national 14. championship in 2014. So they only have two, you know. Ever? Well, since ugh, for a long time, what, yeah. since the I don't think they won one in the 80s, right? Since like maybe the I 70s. Know. I
2: I have no idea. I it's probably been a long time for them, but um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of my point is. If, if you're going to say it's unrealistic for Oklahoma, then find me a university, a football program that it's realistic for. And do not say Georgia. Georgia just won their first championship since 80,
1: 1980.
2: 1980. Yep. Right? So you're going to tell me a team that had a 40 year drought is all of a sudden worthy of saying that they can win it every third year.
1: It's the interesting thing about the SEC and what it's looked like since Saban's got there is Bama's been the constant. Every single year, man. They they've been right there. Well, we said what I read off last week. 15 to 16, the past 15 to 16 national champions have either been Alabama or had to beat Alabama yep. that year, right? Yep. So, Bama's been the constant, but you know, Florida's down right now, but I bet in 3 years Florida's really good. Right. Georgia's is really good right now, but is Georgia going to be good in five years? I mean, we'll see. LSU is going through their lull right now, but at some point everything's going to line up and they're going to have a really elite team. Auburn, though it doesn't feel like it right now, I'm sure in the next seven or eight years, everything's going to come together right for them and they're going to have a really good team. It's just the SEC fluctuates, man, more than any other conference. And Bama's just been the constant there every single year. Right. But I do think... I agree with his original con- or his little thing. I I think that OU can avoid those like peaks and valleys that LSU has had. I don't think that OU's destined to be that type of program, even if they win a national championship. I think OU in the in the SEC can be a team that can win a national championship, but can also have a lot of stability in that conference as well. Yeah, especially with the twelve team playoff.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't think Oklahoma is is going to win or even play for a national championship every three years. I think it will be kind of like you see routinely. You'll have a couple of years, down years. There will still be 10 win seasons, but they're not going to be national title contending years. And then you'll have a, a couple of the right pieces in place, Quarterback wise, uh, stability and coaching, and you may you may make a run where you play for two national championships over three years. Not sure. that not that you win two over three years, that, but that you are legitimately right there contending. Maybe win one, maybe win two, but but have the chance. And then whenever you lose some of that core of players. You kind of start the gradual rebuild-up to make another uh, couple-year run. I think, you know, other than Alabama, most places it comes and runs. And, you know, we haven't had a run in a bit.
1: No, haven't. But I guess you're hoping that when it's the end of a run, you don't have to drop off a 5-7 and seven. No, or, like, no, no. LSU won – uh, they they were uh, they they had to win their last game to go to a bowl game last year. They didn't even go to a bowl game the year after their national championship year. So you're hoping that Brent Venables' uh, game plan, his blueprint, is recession proof enough to still be a pretty good team even when you have to reload.
2: Yep. Yep. And you know sometimes the reload years when you're on a reload year, your margin for error drops massively so like take Clemson for example they lost Trevor Lawrence and some other guys and it was a reload year well you add to those losses in your reload year and you add in some injuries significant injuries multiple injuries like on one position group well all of a sudden you find yourself like not in a position to compete much at all but you know you should bounce back from that.
1: I think Bob was really good in those reload years. His first reload year was in 2005, and it did not start off great. But Mm -hmm. one thing he did in those years, 05, 09 is the two years that I'm really thinking of, is they started slow, but, man, they finished strong. And they finished strong, and you went into the next season having some real optimism that they were back to being national title contenders, You know, beating Oregon in that Holiday Bowl, um, shutting out Oklahoma State, no nine, then beating Stanford in that Sun Bowl. it's It was a reload year, but it was only one year. Right. It was one year, and you were kind of back the very next year of, okay, this team could be legit enough to really make a run at this thing. That, that's Bob was excellent at that, I felt like.
2: Well, I mean, if you think about it, so you had the initial run of five good, strong years. Then you had your rebuild year in five, and then – Six seven eight, you build right back up and play in a championship. Nine's a rebuild year, right? Um, 10, 11, 12, you didn't get the result you wanted, but you were number one preseason in 2012, right? 2011, 2011, yeah. So, you know, you ramped back up into, into a pretty good spot, and then, um, you what you ramp up, and then 2013 you end with a uh with the with a Sugar, with bowl, a Sugar bowl, win. bowl win and then you have a downturn and you ramp back up 15 16 17 17s your best chance to win it. We know Bob retired the the summer before that, but you know, right there was your your next chance to win. And we really last year last year frankly is our rebuilding year. Right? Yeah. So the ramp-up is coming, and that's why I say adamantly to anyone who asks me, the University of Oklahoma will win a national championship in the next three years.
1: Well, text line says, OU will have three national titles by 2030.
2: <laughs> what is that, like, from this point right now?
1: Uh, yeah, OU will have three national titles by 2030, I guess, from from this point now.
2: Huh. Well, that would be good. If you won three in the, not even the next decade,
1: Clemson still won ten games the year after Lawrence left. Yes, that is true.
2: It's true. They won ten games. But
1: they'll even acknowledge that it was a setback of a year.
2: Yeah, it it was. Well, and that's the thing is, your down years, the better program you are, your your down years are not like last year was a down year for us, and we went eleven and two, right. So, I mean, down years are different for different programs, but I I know we were eleven and two, but would any Oklahoma fan say that last year was a great year?
1: I sure hope not.
2: Right. So
1: Glad Ted brought up the coaching stability. We know we're gonna lose some assistance. Is B V gonna be like Sabin and being able to manage lots of turnover? Hasn't hurt Bama, and they lose staff every single year. I mean, that's a giant unknown if he's going to be able to replace assistants.
2: Well, here's what I know about Venables right now. The assistants that are working under him as a head coach right now absolutely love how he is, how he's running the program, what he's doing, what he's brought Um, new things that he's brought, new ideas that he's brought, new things that he's implemented. They absolutely love working for the man. So whenever they go and they see other coaches on the road recruiting and they have all of their old connections that they talk to on a, you know, a couple weeks basis or whenever they talk to those guys because they're friends with them and they work different places, you still have those conversations. I mean, the word is going to be out that v- Coach Brent Venables is absolutely a head coach that you want to go work for. And especially if the guys that leave, leave and go get good jobs.
1: Yeah, that's true. Good point.
2: I mean, I I don't think when, you, when you're going to have the reputation that I think Venables is going to have, I don't think you'll have a problem at all filling some good roles coaching. And here's the thing. Uh, For the longest time, Saban, and I think some of it's changed recently, but he did not have a good reputation as someone that you wanted to go coach for. Uh, Was, for lack of a better term or phrase, an absolute hard ass on everyone and made life miserable. But guess what? You won a ton of games, and when you win a ton of games, you get really good jobs, so people would be willing to go work for him. But you add a guy that's great to work for, and you win a bunch of big games, it's it's the perfect recipe.
1: Yeah, I mean, Lane Kiffin knew that it wasn't going to be fun there, and he's probably going to be embarrassed on the sidelines. But he knew to <laughs> kind of right. rejuvenate his career, he probably needed to go there. And same thing with those off-the-field guys. I know that they're, you know, took those roles, they could keep their buyout money, all that, but Saban had the reputation of you come here and you're not even on-the-field coach, but you can revive your career just by being at Alabama – Yeah, that was was pretty big for him. Or it has been pretty big for him, I guess. Right. This text says, every three years, newsflash, Oklahoma hasn't won a title in 21 years or played for one in 13.
2: Yeah, that's true. But the other point is, just like I said, it wasn't should Oklahoma win a title every three years. That's not what he was saying. He said, should Oklahoma have the expectation? Yes. The expectation is different than the win. If you don't have the expectation and you don't have the pressure on the program, what are you talking about? And the other point is no one's won one every three years. Alabama has the longest-running dynasty we've seen in a long time, and there's no telling how long it's going to last for them. But nobody other than them is going to win a championship every three years.
1: David in Arizona, hey guys, enjoy the show. Season tickets order. Opening game in afternoon, right? Guess I will have to get ESPN Plus to watch OU sports shows. Yes, David, if you're talking about football and not softball, uh, opening game is 2.30 against UTEP week one. I also have the forecast for that day, David. It will be uh, 105 uh, degrees on the field. With uh, 100% humidity down there, so that's what we're looking at.
2: I actually predict that the weather's going to be 69 degrees, Wow, uh, sunny, just a slight breeze out of the north. It's going to be amazing that day.
1: I'll be watching to see if uh, when it's a really hot day, if the team uh, chooses to warm up actually out on the field like men, or if they have to go inside the indoor to stretch like uh, the previous head coach. You
2: better be careful setting some of these uh, guidelines know, because what happens know, if right? uh, if they do warm up inside? <laughs>
1: I don't I I don't think that that's going to happen. <laughs> right. I, I am interested in some of the things that they're going to do differently. Um, you know, before the game starts, and I, I guess we saw it the spring game, right? The lock in in arm-in-arm and, like, walk towards the end zone. That's kind of like a – I feel like K-State does that or has done that with with Bill Snyder. They would walk out arm-in-arm. I think at halftime, they'd walk to the locker room at halftime doing that.
2: Yeah, I think think some of that is true. And they're also going to stand there after the game together and with the student section, right, seeing the alma mater, which –
1: Hope kids stay for that. Right. <laughs> A free drink voucher if you stay for the yeah. alma mater is what they need to do.
2: Yeah. Maybe they shouldn't do that with the student section. Maybe we'll do it with the band. They'll be there. But student section, not so sure. But I like those things. It's it's about unity. It's about doing things together. And um that's that's gonna be the goal. That's gonna be the culture. So all right, quick timeout. More from the rush. Coming up, hour number two rolls on. Stay with us.
1: Cavens Construction bringing you hour number two of the rush on this Wednesday. Cavens offers remodeling, roofing, water restoration, and facility maintenance. Cavens Facility Maintenance serves all of Oklahoma and can help take the ease off of your staff, but fixing those pesky problems. In your office building, give Cavens a call, 405-573-3048. Tulsa, 918-282-7612 or CavensConstruction.com. You mentioned it last segment, uh, ranking all 131 quarterback situations in tiers. Yeah, And we're going to have to scroll far down, very far down to get to Dylan Gabriel. Tier one is Heisman or Bust. They have C.J. Stratt at Ohio State, Bryce Young in Alabama, and I roll Caleb Williams at USC. Tier number two, which is the Heisman waiting room, NC State's Devin Leary, Utah's Cam Rising, Miami's Tyler Van Dyke. Um, I think there's a chance that Dylan Gabriel's better than all three of those guys, but I guess that we'll move on here. Tier 2A, what's a guy gotta do to get some Heisman love around here? That's Georgia, Stetson, Bennett. Tier 3 is pretty, pretty good. There's eight players. Um, There's eight players in there. Virginia's quarterback, Louisville, Wake Forest, Tennessee's, Coastal Carolina's, Purdue's, Mississippi State, Arkansas. Then we get all the way down to Tier 4. Definitely, probably, maybe. So saying really kind of unsure of what type of players they're going to be this year. And that's the tier that ESPN has put Dylan Gabriel in, along with DTR at UCLA, Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, and Will Levis at Kentucky. I don't agree with it. I'm guessing you don't agree with it as well. But this is this has to be, man, the lowest expectation an OU quarterback has had nationally in, what, seven, eight years probably? Um, Yeah. But yeah. I'm trying to – I'm trying to figure out exactly why he has low expectations. Is it because he was hurt last year and didn't play a whole lot? Does that factor in? I, because the numbers are there to say, all right, this guy's a proven college quarterback who's been pretty successful. This is not – it's not an unknown like people like to think. Right. Um, why is there so much unknown here? Or why is there so much doubt? I I don't know. I don't know. Because I don't have very much. And I do feel like, by the way, that if Lincoln was still the head coach here and for whatever reason Dylan Gabriel transferred to be the starting quarterback, I feel like the narrative would be a lot different on Dylan Gabriel than it is right now.
2: Well, yeah. Look at the narrative on Caleb Williams.
1: Yeah, but right there with C.J. Stroud and uh, Bryce Young, who won the Heisman last year. He's on the same tier.
2: Yeah. Let me just, um, while we're talking about this, just to show you how absurd that is. And I do understand, trust me, I understand that players improve from one year to the next. And I do expect Caleb Williams to improve from one year to the next. I think he'll be most likely overall a better quarterback this year than he was last year. Like, I don't know what that means necessarily for his statistics because he's not going to be on as good of a football team, but, and I know he didn't play uh, all of the games, but he threw for 1900 yards, completed 64% of his passes, had 21 touchdowns to four interceptions last year. And, and, Right. Typically, those are those are good numbers. Those are those are solid numbers. Um, most of those are statistics that were padded into a couple of games. Right. Um, most of the the more difficult games down the stretch, his stats were were not nearly as good. Well, C.J. Stroud, who he's in the same tier with, okay. C.J. Stroud, now remember, Caleb Williams threw for 1,912 yards, 64% completion. C.J. Stroud threw for 4,435 yards, Jeez. 72% completions.
1: Yep.
2: All right, Caleb Williams had 21 touchdowns to four interceptions, which that's a great ratio. C.J. Stroud had 44 touchdowns. And six interceptions, 44 and six compared to 21 and four. They were both freshmen,
1: okay? But he doubled his numbers up. And I know that CJ Stroud played more football than him, but he didn't play that much more football than him that he needed to just double up his numbers like that.
2: So that's what I find a bit absurd about the tier system. If you're going to put, like, Caleb Williams is being thrown in that tier because he's with Lincoln Riley, because of Lincoln Riley's history at Oklahoma, by the way. Um, If Dylan Gabriel, if Caleb Williams had stayed at Oklahoma, my guess is people would be picking apart Caleb Williams' um, issues that he had last year, and if Dylan Gabriel had gone to USC – He'd be on the Tier 1 list.
1: Well, how about this? What did you say for Caleb Williams? 1,912 yards as a true freshman, Mm -hmm. 21 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, 64% completion percentage. That's right. How about Dylan Gabriel as a freshman? 33 touchdowns, over 3,700 yards Yeah, as a freshman, by the way. Yeah. So the guy that we're putting in Tier 1, his numbers didn't even come close to the same guy that we're putting in Tier 4 now. Right, and you know, I don't think,
2: I don't think numbers are the end all be all. They're
1: not, but they, right. they I mean, they can tell a lot of the story, though.
2: Right. It's just you know, it's interesting. Now the tier two, and I'm not trying to make the argument that Dylan Gabriel should be a tier one player. I'm not. Um,
1: he should be higher than what he is.
2: He should be higher than what he is. Uh, he should at least be tier three. If you can't put Dylan Gabriel in with Virginia, uh Louisville and Wake Forest's quarterback, uh Coastal Carolina, Purdue, Mississippi State, Arkansas, if you can't put him in that tier, then I think you're you're being uh like willfully ignorant about the situation at Oklahoma. Like you just don't want to to see what's 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 going on there.
1: Yeah, I think he's much closer to the tier two group than he is the tier three. He's in one of those two. I will agree with you. I think he's closer to the tier two group, um, in in the tier A, two, tier I, two A. With the, uh, I mean, th- the Heisman odds say he's got like the fifth best chance to win the Heisman. Again, that's not the end all either. Just like the numbers are, but if you got the fifth highest uh, Heisman odds, I think you're closer to two than you are to three in the tier. Right.
2: Yeah. I – i here's the thing I think he's a i think he's a top 10 quarterback right and this has him more as like a a top top 15 or so quarterback maybe lower than that like he's in the group of like 15 to 19 uh so I think he's a top 10 guy now some other places some other guys at other schools like would some of those other guys, Would I have them higher than where they are if they were at Oklahoma? Yeah, I would. Why? Because they would be at a team that's going to be roster-wise better than almost every single team that they play. These other guys aren't going to have that. That is a major factor in how good of quarterback play someone puts out. Why do you think Bryce Young is where he is? You think Bryce Young would have won the Heisman Trophy last year if he played for Purdue?
1: No, of course not. That's why I I think it's completely unrealistic to think that Caleb Williams this season is going to be in the same tier as C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. It's totally unrealistic, man. I mean, he's a good player. He's not that good of a player. What Ohio State and Alabama have around them for those two guys, it's not even close, dude. So I do wonder what the narrative could be around Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley in a year's time because there's so much – hype and so many expectations right away that I think are unrealistic what happens to people's thoughts on Caleb Williams if after all this hype he doesn't deliver in USC's and average football team next year because he'll kind of be the lone guy out well he he did it with Baker Mayfield he did it with Kyla Murray he did it with Jalen Hurts even Spencer Rattler won a conference championship what's wrong with you like I, I know, all this hype got him paid, but if he didn't live up to these lofty expectations, then I, I think the attitude around him is going to change real quick.
2: Well, yes, but here's my here's my opinion of what's going to happen for USC this year, and Lincoln Riley, and Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is going to be the savior and you know do some really impressive things to pull out wins against stanford who was 3 and 9 last year against washington state against cal against arizona he's going to do Impressive-looking things against god-awful football teams. Sure. And he's going to be praised endlessly for that because they only have two, maybe you could
1: say three,
2: tough football teams on their schedule next I, year. I think
1: it's just Utah and Notre Dame. Who's the three? Someone's going to have to emerge from the Pac-12 that we're not thinking. Yeah. I it's like a UCLA.
2: I'm saying maybe Arizona State, maybe UCLA, um, maybe Washington State or Oregon State, who were 7-6 and six last year. Like, those are all maybes, you know. So, two tough ones, maybe a third tough game. So, what I'm saying is he's going to be hyped endlessly – Having played and beaten absolutely
1: nobody. Yeah. Text line points out well, CJ didn't have to play Kansas last year, so you got to factor that in.
2: You know, frankly, and again, this is, I don't mean this to be a dig at him, but it's kind of the same exact thing that happened last year with him.
1: Yeah.
2: He came in and had, you know, um, the big moments against Texas, helped to win that game that was a 5 and 7 football team. Um TCU was terrible. Kansas was terrible. Barely pulled off that win. Uh Tech wasn't any good. And then the final 3 games of the season, you know, he was um 2 of 3 and you know, threw for 87 yards against Iowa State. Somehow miraculously we still won the game. Threw for 142 yards against Baylor and lost. You know, I,
1: that's what I'm saying is like well, and several broken plays, right? Like the Iowa State touchdown run was a broken play. The couple right. of plays against Texas were just prayers that yeah. Marvin Mims made happen. The Kansas play where he stole the ball from Kennedy Brooks. Sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's going to be the same thing that we see, and it's going to be hype. He's going All to right. steal
1: the ball from Travis Dye to beat Stanford. <laughs> that's <what he's laughs> going to do. Maybe
2: so. Mm-hmm. All right, quick timeout. More from the Rush coming up. Hit a few things that caught my eye next.
1: It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Store number one is...
2: Sorry, you have to excuse me. I was just watching John Daly do one of the most amazing belly flops into a lake I think I've ever seen. Uh, pretty awesome. Hey, um, send me the link, please. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: first, quick shout out to our friends over at Roof Tech. Josh Tucker runs the business over there. Former teammate of mine does an outstanding job if you have any roofing needs. Give Roof Tech a call. Uh, it's over. Johnny Depp, Amber Heard defamation trial has been completed. Johnny Depp wins.
1: Yeah. Am I wrong in everyone was pulling for him during this trial, especially after the trial got started and she said weird things like, My dog stepped on a bee? <laughs> uh,
2: I feel like there was an overwhelming amount of support from Johnny Depp um i think that i in I, I don't know exactly what went down and i don't know that anyone really does but there did seem to be the fact that she doctored things she by she used a lot of these 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 pictures and different things different stories as a way to attack him and ruin his reputation And I think people are disgusted by stuff like that. And I think as it all kind of played out for everyone to see, that there ended up being like a snowball effect for Johnny Depp. I feel you on that.
1: Yeah, I feel like everyone's coming out of this saying, yeah, she's a bad person.
2: Yeah. Well, she owes $15 million now, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Man, here we go. The, I don't know, live golf, live golf. LIV Golf, I have no idea what it is, but it's the Saudi-backed Golf League that is starting next week. Uh, They've got their first tournament in London, and there's some decent names that are jumping from the PGA to go play in this thing. Dustin Johnson is one of them, and he's already lost a sponsor, RBC, for going to do that, Uh, but reportedly being paid... $125 million to go join this tour. Uh, Here's the thing, man. Some of these guys, I don't blame them. This first tournament in London has a $25 million purse, $4 million uh, to the overall single winner. And the way that this thing breaks down, I think it has a chance to be really cool. It's teams. So you're going to have different guys that are on teams playing against – uh, other groups that that kind of join up. I I don't think there's any necessarily rhyme or reason to to how they join teams, but it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. Taylor Gooch, local player, is going to be playing over there. I hope he goes and wins that thing for four million bucks. But it's about to get underway, and the PGA Tour is not happy about it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure not losing. I mean, they're they're having a issue right now um, growing the game. It feels like and. Everyone going across the pond to go play is not not good. Uh,
2: the PG, all it would ta- I th- there's there's a lot of golf fans out there. I'm not saying there's not, but if Tiger Woods came out tomorrow and said I'm retiring, I'm never playing in another PGA Tour event, it would be devastating to the PGA Tour and he's old frankly busted and people still show up in in droves to see him play.
1: Yeah. Uh you, is that it for you? Yeah. Okay. I uh, how much do you think a lifeguard makes at a pool? Like around, around minimum wage, right?
2: Yeah, I would say 15-18 bucks an hour. At the highest.
1: Well, uh, life is good for lifeguards in Los Angeles. According to a report from Open the Books, L.A. lifeguards are drowning in dough. (laughs) During the year 2021, there were 98 L.A.-based lifeguards who earned at least, wait for it, $200,000 including benefits. That's right. They have a, a breakdown of uh, how much money some like th- this guy Daniel Douglas. His job title is captain. His base pay was 100 150,000. He made 246,000 in overtime.
2: 246,000 in overtime. In
1: overtime, his benefits were $85,000. He made 28,000 in other pay. His total compensation in 2001 was over half of a million dollars. There's couple oh, lifeguards on this list my. that made over 400k, several that made over 300k. Um and I don't Ooh. think that they're the ones sitting out there in the chair or anything, yeah. but they're lifeguard captain, lifeguard chief, you know, <laughs> dang.
2: Yeah. I I think the terminology there is going to be a real bad hang up. It's not the 22-year-old college kid that's sitting in the lifeguard tower with the white thing on his nose. I think it's probably like, you know, the guys way up that are coordinating all of the beach and stuff. And it is a serious operation, but man, that is... um Hey, that's your tax dollars at work out there, California.
1: $500,000 a year, and the guy later said that he has a tiny one-room apartment in downtown L.A. That's all he can afford. (laughs) Right.
2: He sleeps in the lifeguard truck.
1: (laughs) Yeah, probably. But
2: but does that not sound like the dream job for a 20-something out in L.A.?
1: Or a 40-year-old something with a midlife crisis. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it sounds like to me. Are you serious? (laughs) Gary Patterson is now at the University of Texas, and he wants yeah, everyone right. to know that he parks in the very back of the parking lot every single time he comes to the office. Quote, when we park in the parking lot, I park as far back as I can where everybody understands what I'm there to do. Like I said before, I'm just trying to help, end quotes. So he's just there trying to help. You know, Linda Hand, he thinks highly of Sark. And he shows that every day by parking in the back of the parking lot.
0: I park in the back every day, and I just walk all the way up here. I just want everyone to know that Sark is in charge up here, okay? I park in the back every
1: single day. We don't have audio, but that's as good as audio. (laughs) That's better than audio.
2: Voice totally gone. Uh, That's amazing.
1: Uh, This is a text, or a text, a tweet from John Hoover. Uh, I guess the uh, Big 12 meetings are going on right now. He Mm -hmm. just spoke with West Virginia's A.D., uh, I guess he told a small group of reporters in DFW that the Big 12's four newcomers are confident they'll be joining in 2023. They are uh, close to the finish line. Cincinnati, uh, BYU, UCF, and Houston.
2: Hmm. Why do I feel like that's already been announced months ago?
1: Well, they said that they expect to, but okay. apparently like, they're close to the finish line now.
2: Yeah, I'm guess there's some exit situation going on. Exit, exit uh, situations going on with their, um, their conference. So yeah, Hey, I, I didn't think it was going to happen at one point. I thought it was going to be, um, something that we just wouldn't see that Oklahoma playing in the conference, the 14 team conference. But now I fully expect to play two. Two seasons. Uh,
1: last one, congratulations to Jordy Ball and Jocelyn Allo. Jordy Ball National Freshman of the Year. Mm. She going to pitch this week, by the way. Big time. Jocelyn Allo, National Player of the Year for the second consecutive season. Two Clean times. House. Clean house.
2: How about that? Very impressive. All right, quick timeout. We'll come back, wrap up our number two next.
1: Cavins Construction bringing you hour number two of the Rush CavinsConstruction.com. Um, Someone saying five hundred thousand dollars for a lifeguard. David Hasselhoff didn't make that much. No
2: doubt. Yeah, I don't think he did. Filming with uh, Pamela Anderson.
1: That's that, funny. That's why California is going broke. That's why Cali is broken. A lot of people have opinions on the state of California. Mm-hmm. Does Gary Patterson need a towel to wipe off after his long walk back from the parking lot? Boomer sooner. Kansas City sooner.
2: Uh, Yes.
1: I frankly. think he would be walking inside and he needs, needs a towel. Are they going to have a sweat rag person for him at Texas?
2: Do you think when he pulls in in the morning, there's a trainer standing there holding a Gatorade... And uh, has a towel on their shoulder to walk into the building with him.
1: I, I, he feels like the guy to me that as soon as he steps out the car, there's a right a young assistant holding an umbrella so he can walk in the shade <laughs> the entire time to the door.
2: Oh man! If Patterson. OU is in
1: the Big Twelve next year, they're going to get hammered on the schedule. Well, if,
2: if w- OU is in the Big Twelve next year, they're going to be oh in. It, in twenty uh, twenty three, right,
1: like at Cincinnati and at BYU, that's fine. Bring it on.
2: I'm actually, I would, I would like to see that. I don't, I don't have. I, I think I'm not saying the schools are not good that are coming in. I think they're all really competitive, and frankly, probably all would have been right there at the top of the Big Twelve last year, um, but. I I've got no problem playing any of the schools that are coming in at their
1: yeah. there, there is a chance though that as the schedule falls right for the first time in a long time we could be saying dang oh you kind of got a tough schedule. Georgia at home right yeah at Kansas State if they have a good team this year got a lot coming back. Um if you go like at Cincinnati at BYU at Baylor at Baylor yeah I man it, it could be kid. a tough twenty three schedule if it falls right
2: right. Yep no I I. I'm down. I would love to go. I'd love to go to BYU. Their stadium is beautiful scenery.
1: That's my number one
2: hope. Um, Wouldn't mind to go see Cincinnati or UCF. Don't care about going to Houston, but any of the other three, I'm fine with. All right, quick timeout. Final Hour of the Rush is coming up next.